0: It's time now for the Sports Objective podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond.
1: Welcome into the Sports Objective. We've got a, a busy night. Uh, actually, breaking news. We'll do in the second half of the hour. Pirates cutting four sports. We'll talk about that and the ramifications of, uh, of cutting four sports and what that looks like. We'll do that after the fact. Stay tuned. It's going to be a fun show. And speaking of a fun show, Bob, we're very excited to have our next guest. Yeah, welcome into
2: the program. As you see there on the bottom right corner of your screen, uh, former Florida quarterback, Gator Hall of Famer, and two-time SEC Player of the Year, Shane Matthews. Shane, welcome in.
1: Glad to be here, guys. Welcome in. We'll talk about, I know in a little bit, we, you have a, a podcast. We're talking about that right before uh, we started. We'll talk about that. We wanted to have you on. Uh, definitely, there's a, a lot of great stories, I'm sure, with UFF and, of course, the old ball coach. I mean, there's lots uh, there, but how did you get started in, uh, at the University of Florida? How did that come about with Coach?
3: Well, my, my story, um, I came from the state of Mississippi. My dad was a high school coach there. I won a state championship my senior year. Uh, Terrell Buckley was one of my teammates there that ended up going to Florida State. Uh, I signed with Galen Hall. He was the head coach at Florida at the time. My dad had played at Ole Miss with Archie Manning, so mm-hmm. most everybody in the state, thought I was a shoe in to go to to Oxford, but uh, I I decided to go to Florida and uh, just kind of got lost in the shuffle my first two years. And I guess it's a good thing. There was no transfer portal back in those days, or I may have been gone. Um, And then they hired this guy, Steve Spurrier and Galen got fired. So they hired Steve Spurrier after my red shirt freshman year. And I honestly had never heard of him because back in those days, you know, the facilities aren't like they are now. There were no statues. There were no Heisman trophies, pictures, or anywhere in the locker room. And so uh, I remember uh, going home for the Christmas break before our bowl game and watching Duke and Texas Tech playing the All-American Bowl oh, game yeah. in Birmingham. And that was his final game as a Duke coach. So I'm like, all right, me and my dad sat down. Being a high school coach, we love football. We we're like, man, this is right up our your alley. So he gets the job and in the spring he says, you know, I don't care who you are, what you've done. You're going to be, everybody's going to be given an equal opportunity to show what you can do. And, you know, that's coach speak. Everybody says that, but do they really mean it? And he meant it. Uh, You know, the first couple of scrimmages I didn't get in, I was buried like fifth or sixth on the depth chart. Uh, A couple of guys got hurt. I got in, played pretty well. And make a long story short, they were tearing up our turf. At the swamp at Florida Field, there in Gainesville. So, we had to play our spring game in Jacksonville in the Gator Bowl. And uh, I was just, I got drafted as the number one pick by uh, John Reeves, who was coaching the Orange team. Wow. And I went in there and threw three touchdowns, threw for about 200 yards and three quarters, and I became the starter. It's kind of a, a unique story.
0: Yeah, I want to back up just a minute. You talked about uh, being a Mississippi. Uh, you are from? You you played high school ball, was it in uh, Pascagoula?
3: Well, what's interesting, I grew up in the Mississippi Delta as well. My dad um, was a high school coach there. I played all the sports until after my sophomore year. He was offered the job at Pascagoula High School down on the coast. So we decided to move to a much bigger school. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I graduated from Pascagoula High School.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times. I was talking to Bubba earlier. We were going over your your profile, and uh, he mentioned you playing a uh, high school ball in Pascagoula. And I was like, Pascagoula, home of the Mississippi Squirrel. And my, my buddy there wasn't familiar <laughs> with what I was talking about. <laughs> I do.
1: I do. Yeah. The day the yeah. squirrel went with Zerk. Well, how many yeah, times have certainly-
0: you heard that over the years? Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Good old Ray yeah,
2: Stevens. I certainly, I certainly knew Ray Stevens, but uh, I did not recall that song. Um But um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, it's funny you brought up that spring practice in 1990 because um I'd actually seen um, just doing some research preparing for this interview. I saw where Coach Spurrier had made a quote to uh, Ivan Mazel, who's so well known from ESPN, just saying how I think, like you said, five quarterbacks competing for that job. And Coach Spurrier said, I don't know who it's going to be taking snaps in the fall, but they're going to lead the SEC in passing.
3: Yeah, he, he said it to a, you know, a lot of media guys. He also said it to the uh, Jacksonville Gator Club before that season. And um, i would be dang, he was correct. Uh, I was fortunate to leave the conference uh, shoot all three years I played and be the SEC player of the year twice. Should have had it my senior year, but uh, we lost a lot of good players and kind of sputtered around my senior year.
1: Talk about uh, Coach Spurrier. What's your relationship? Obviously, we were talking to us beforehand that you guys did a podcast. You guys, uh, I take it, are still very close?
3: Extremely close. You know, I, I was fortunate to play 14 years professionally in the NFL. Wow. And, and it wasn't because of my ability, really. It was because of my mind and, and knowing the game and the way he taught me uh, allowed me to play that long. But, yeah, he's, he's – uh, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. You know, he's always said uh, – a couple of his favorite quotes are, you can't take money to the grave, but you can take championships to the grave. And he really is all about his championships, whether they're at Duke, Florida, or South Carolina, or wherever he's coached. He also, uh, you know, he he just, he, he's a guy that he said, you know, if if your players want to hang out with you and drink a beer when it's all said and done, you've done some, something right as a coach. And I can't tell you how many former players love hanging around him, drinking a few beers with him. Uh, he's just, he's a, he's a player's coach. You know, the outside people don't like him because he says what's on his mind. Uh, the opponents, <laughs> the opponent fans, but uh, he was great for college football. He changed college football, and like I said, I wouldn't be wearing today if it wasn't for him.
0: Yeah, he's about pretty- a personality, and, and that's why a lot of people don't like him is because he does have such a big personality. And uh, it, what are what are some? Uh, I'm sure you over the years uh, you, you you've got some. G- give us a couple good Steve Spurrier stories, something something funny, if you if you don't mind.
3: Well, I got – I mean, gosh, we could be here all night. But, um, uh, you, know, you know, <clears throat> one of the first stories that stood out to me was, you know, coaches script their plays these days. He's never been a guy to script his plays. You know, he just has one piece of sheet of paper, handwritten. He wow. does it old school. But, um, you know, his first game at Florida against Oklahoma State was our, our first game in, in his tenure. And uh, we kind of had a handful of plays that we were going to run – you know, possibly run depending on field position, where you get the ball, what hash, this, that, and the other. And he goes around the locker room. He comes up to me, the pregame warm-up. He's like, Shane, what play do you want to start with? You know, here I am, a redshirt sophomore, never taking a snap in college football. There's 90-something thousand fans out there. People are bitching and complaining that he's named me the starter, a guy who's never taken a snap. I'm like, Coach, how about maybe a draw play or a screen? Shoot. They didn't pay me all this money to come down here and run the football. We're going to throw it. And uh, we had about a 25-yard completion the first play of the game. Four plays later, we score our first touchdown. But that's just his mentality. He was very aggressive. And, you know, one of of my favorite Coach Furrier stories, this was after, like, my second or third year playing professionally. I always made games with my home off all-season home. And he, he owns pretty much half a Crescent beach over there in the St. Augustine area. He's got houses, condos or what have you. So he called me, this was like in February, probably about March. He's like, come on over here and play golf at Marsh Creek with me. So I drive over for the day. And of course it's Florida. It's 95 degrees, hot as hell. And, uh, we play golf. He's like, come back to the condo, have a couple beers and Why don't you go to dinner with me and Jerry, his wife? I'm like, well, coach, I probably need to get home. I don't have a change of clothes. You know, I'm drenched. He's like, don't worry about it. You can shower and I'll I'll get you some clothes to wear. So he knocks on the door while I'm showering and he hands me one of these. I mean, this is like 1995, you know, there there wasn't a whole lot of dry fit. It was one of those 100% cotton Sarasota Gator Club type, you know, real thick golf shirt. Hands that to me and hands me a pair of navy blue, navy blue like you know, the old tennis shorts that people used to wear. He's like, here, just wear this to dinner. We're just going down the street. So, all right. So, I put it on. Here, another knock on the door. He, I say, yes, sir, coach. He opens the door. He goes, just just, just turn your underwear inside out. That's what I usually do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember, uh, Shane, one of my favorite parts of uh, thinking about coaches, he always got accused, even in Duke, when he ran up the score against North Carolina uh, back in uh, 89, but I'll never forget that he took a picture of the he took a picture of the scoreboard and uh, people were really angry back then. This is way before social media, obviously. Uh, but one another thing I remember by him was um, when, when you guys in Florida. I don't know if it was during your time exactly when, but years ago, I'll never forget the people of Vanderbilt were upset because of the score being run up. And if they, he said, if you don't like it, get used to it. <laughs> and I'll yeah, never well, forget that as long as I live.
3: Yeah. You know, he, he always took a picture of the scoreboard with his team if he won a championship. And so maybe you're you're referring to when Duke, I think, upset Clemson, and they won the ACC. That's what he always did. But, you know, his philosophy was people thought he ran the score up, and I can see how they thought that. But his philosophy was, okay, whether you're a walk-on, second or third string, quarterback, receiver, running back, whatever, and we're up and I put you in the game, I'm going to let you run our offense. You know, that means – my second, third string quarterbacks are going to throw the football. It's your job to stop us. So he's really not running it up. He's allowing these guys that bust their tails in practice to get some experience and get to play in front of a crowd. You know, think about the great Nebraska teams that ran the option. Okay. When they were beating people 50 to seven, they kept running the option. So we never thought of it as running up the score. It's their job to stop us, but we just continue running our offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. Talking about Spurrier and and things he's done, or so one of my favorite Spurrier quotes. Do we lose Shane? Yeah, we got you. We hear you. I got no video on (laughs) mine.
3: Yeah, I I don't see y'all anymore. I don't know what happened there.
0: Well, we can can hear you. Can you? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Well, I guess we'll just keep going. Um, Shane. one of my favorite uh, quotes from Spurrier, and I don't remember when he said it. Maybe mid nineties, late. Like, I don't remember exactly when it was. Maybe mid nineties. It was something to the effect of he was talking about the robbery with Tennessee, and uh, can't fail citrus without UT.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. A, you know, he loved to take little jabs at at the opponents, um, and I don't know if he came up with that or someone told him, but he he loved saying that because if you think back in the nineties, that Florida true. Tennessee game was yeah. always the third week of the season, but that was for the SEC. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee was yeah. dominant back in those days. And, you know, I don't I think Coach Furrier in his twelve years at Florida may have only lost to Tennessee two or three times. I could be mistaken, but you know, he loved because if you won the conference back then, you were slated to go to the Sugar Bowl. Well the next best team went to the Citrus Bowl. So that was a way he'd take a jab at
0: Tennessee.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, while we're on the topic of take, taking jabs at Tennessee, I knew uh, a story that I saw here recently watching some of uh, Batesy's films that we were talking about before the show, Shane, is just about how um, after a win in Knoxville, he told one of the assistant coaches to go over to the band and strike up Rocky Top.
3: Yeah, you know, he's uh he He's always doing stuff like that, and it's – we loved it as players because, you know, people say he was very arrogant, and maybe he was, but it was more of a swagger, and it rubbed off on all his players. And, I, you know, the, the best feeling, I think, in the Spurrier era, when we went and played in opposing team stadiums, any time we could put 40 or 50 on you, and late in the fourth quarter – the stadium is is emptying, that was such a great feeling. And that's one thing that we tried to do every time we went on the road.
0: Shane, when you you played at uh, Florida, what was the biggest rivalry for you guys? Was it Tennessee? Was it another SEC game or Florida State?
3: Well, you know, we would all say Georgia. And the reason is because, well, it was Tennessee, too, in the 90s. But it's more the SEC, either Tennessee or Georgia, back in the nineties, because in order to win a championship, an SEC title, we had to defeat one of those. Especially when it, you know, when you're talking about when they split the divisions, East and West. Florida State rivalry is always big, um, but you don't win anything. You don't win. You don't get a ring. You don't get a banner. You don't get anything put up in the stadium for beating them. And that's one thing, Coach Spurrier. You know, in his twelve years, he won seven SEC titles. One national championship, and that's that's what we strive
1: to do. Yeah. Did a good job of that. I wanted to ask you as far as uh, that stadium is impressive. I've been near it. I didn't get a chance to go in it, but I told you in 1995 I went there to visit my friend on spring break, and the swamp was um, an unbelievable. It's it's big on on certainly on television, but you get near that thing, it's a massive. What was it like the first time you walked out there? What was it like playing at, in the swamp? I just can't imagine that.
3: Well, it got better every year that I played in it because they kept adding, they add to one end zone, then they built skyboxes, then they built more sky boxes. So now it's it's ridiculous. You know, it seats a little over ninety thousand and and you're right on top of right this the crowd is right on top of you. I mean, literally from the sideline to the first row, it's probably ten yards. I mean, it's that close, maybe less. And it's just extremely loud. It's hot because it's kind of down in the ground. Uh, but it's it's one of, if not the best, home field advantages in all of college football.
2: Yeah, like you are saying, Shane, uh, I made that trip to uh, to Gainesville for the game against the Pirates back in 2015. And we were only sitting about 10 rows up behind the East Carolina bench and not having been there before uh, for a ball game. I would just been there and uh, seen the stadium from the outside about five years prior. But um when we walked in that night and um, it really jumped out how close the, the stands were to the, the sideline.
1: Mm-hmm. It was but good. Was, to, go ahead, Bubba. No, you go ahead. Shane, as far as you were talking about the different rivalries and the championships and, um, and all with uh, coach Spurrier, is there a certain championship? Do you think as far as the sec championship, obviously I know which ones you like, um, but is there certain ones that, that really stick out to coaches. he ever told you about, like, is it the first one he won? Or is there, I guess all of them are special to him.
3: Well, he got there in 1990. We won the SEC. We went undefeated. We were 7-0 and or 8-0. But something that happened five years prior to him being the head coach put us on probation. So we weren't declared champs. But that 1990 team is very, very special to him. And then in 91, we won the first official SEC championship in school history. So that one is extremely important to him as well. Um, you know, but like you said, he won seven of them. I think they're all very important to him. And obviously in ninety-six he got the national title, played for the national title the previous year in ninety-five, got destroyed by Nebraska, but they bounced back the next year and, and, and beat FSU in the sugar bowl. And Bubba, I see Shane, we, we have
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have a question from one of our uh, viewers Johnny Gardner he said Shane did coach ever talk about why he chose Florida um, is, is in terms of uh playing there he said uh, he knew that he was a Floridian by birth but growing up so close to Knoxville playing at Science Hill high school um just I, I believe I've seen coach Spurrier talk about this on his SEC story saying it was the offense that UT ran at the time but um uh, can you shed some more light on that
3: yeah you know um yeah I think I think you're correct. I believe Tennessee at that time was running more of the option or wing tee or something. He wanted to go throw it. And, and Ray Graves had told coach that, you know, you you we're going to come down here and let you throw it around. And one thing is coach Spurrier, he did this when he was recruiting kids. You know, what happens when people get old in their life? They move to Florida. Well, here, here an 18-year-old kid I can go to Florida for free and play football and live in the sunshine. And that's what he told when he'd walk into homes when he was recruiting. Hey, people save up their entire lives to move to Florida. You can come play for the Gators and maybe live in Florida for a long time if you decide to sign with the Gators. So that I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, And I'm pretty sure that's why he chose the Gators.
1: That's really cool.
2: Shane, you mentioned Coach Galen Hall and I know his dismissal was more about off the field stuff than wins and losses, but the program prior to Coach Spurrier's arrival had um they had won six, seven and seven games those three seasons and then Coach Spurrier's first year, uh you guys win nine. You go nine wins, ten wins in s- and s and an SEC title, excuse me, and then nine wins and um you lost in the inaugural SEC title game to Alabama, so uh, he really took things to another level and did so very quickly.
3: Yeah, it's it's crazy what he did in his 12 years. And as you mentioned, he turned it around very quickly. He'll tell you there's a lot of talent on that team. And, you know, he changed the culture of the way they played football in the SEC coming in and throwing it around. And one of the best things, uh, Coach Burger when he left South Carolina, came back to Gainesville and, and now he's an ambassador at the University which I'm not sure exactly what he does as an ambassador, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he um, he put together a reunion uh, one summer down in Daytona for all 12 of his teams. And I didn't realize this, but, you know, there were hundreds of people there with their kids and wives and girlfriends and what have you. But every player that played for Steve Spurrier at the University of Florida won a minimum of nine games every wow. year. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, we'll take,
1: hey, we'll take six right now, Shane. Uh, we're going <laughs> yeah, three game, and four right? wins. Exactly. A bowl a bowl game is like uh, Kyle said the other night, like going undefeated. Yeah, right
0: now, as bad as we've been.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, uh, Shane, I had a question as far as um, we have a second-year head coach in Mike Houston that we think a lot of, and obviously it's been the program. has been down five straight losing seasons. When Coach took it over, I know there was some, like, like Bubble was saying, alluding to, off the field uh, stuff, maybe more than anything else. But uh, how did, when you were talking earlier about the culture and stuff, how did Coach come in and turn the culture around, turn things around that path?
3: Well, he, he basically said, we're gonna, I'm in the first meeting we had, he goes, we're going to win championships here, and we're going to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. That was the number one goal. And like I said, his, his swagger, confidence, arrogance, however you want to phrase it. It rubbed off on us, and the guy won a championship at Duke University. He won an ACC title at Duke. Yeah. If you can win at Duke back in those days, you can coach. And I just I just think he, he knew there was great talent here. Uh, we just had to believe, and, you know, the, we won in 90, 91, and 92, and we kind of laid the foundation for the Spurrier era that led to the the Werfels and that whole crew that won a national title. Oh, yeah.
1: Definitely paved the way for, for that bunch and uh, certainly put down the, the foundation, right?
2: Absolutely. And, and you talk about um, how he, in that initial meeting or one of those initial meetings, talked about beating Georgia. Um, I think if he was there 12 years. I think he's 11 and 1 against the
3: Bulldogs. He sure was. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of success as a player against Georgia. And I think that bothered him. After he left the University of Florida as a you know as a player, and when he had an opportunity to come back and coach here, and he knew we had to beat them to win championships. And as you mentioned, he, he went eleven and one. I went three and zero, and we destroyed them in two of the games. My senior year, they were very good. They were ranked like fourth or fifth in the country, and somehow we beat them. Uh, but that was a that was a rivalry game that he made sure we found some way to win it.
2: Now I'm trying to recall uh, my years are running together. Uh, when was it that uh, the obviously the game is typically played in Jacksonville, but when that stadium was being built in Jacksonville, um, there were two years where the game had to be played in Gainesville one year and then in Georgia between the hedges the other year. What years were those?
3: Yeah, I want to say that was uh, after I graduated. I want to say it was, it was the year of the Jaguars came into the league. So I want to say it was the 90, 94 year yeah. and 95. So yeah. uh yeah, he he loved that because he 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 knew what the most points scored against Georgia up in uh Athens had been and he was going his goal was to go up there and drop 50 something on them and they did it. And so the most points ever scored on the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, the Gators did it when they went up there between the hedges.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned his swagger. Um a lot of guys want to act confident and it's just that just an act. They they can talk it, but they can't back it up. How did you know? I mean, was it immediate that you knew, all right, Spurrier, he's not just talking this, he he, he can do it so we can do it. How, was it immediate that you knew that your coach won't just full of shit that he he uh he he backed up what he said? Um I mean, I guess seeing him doing it at Duke probably helped.
3: Yeah, you know, I I think the way he, he carried himself in practice, he he's not one of these yeller, screamers. Practices aren't real structured. Um, he doesn't script anything. It just comes off the top of his head. But the way when he installed and taught us offensively, and then in that spring we went out, and our defense didn't know what the hell was going on. I mean, we were all, throwing it all over him. And then after that first game, when you're actually playing against a different opponent. And I think we were like, man, this guy can call some plays. If we can just buy in, which we were bought in, this guy's special. And, um, you know, he he's just confident and has a great mind for the game. And, you know, it's uh, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Steve Spurrier.
0: You mentioned earlier 14 years in the, in the league and, that was you said primarily because of your mind. Talk about your NFL career.
3: Well, there ain't a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I um, I think I started 35 games in 14 years. So uh, I didn't get drafted. I was supposed to be the third quarterback drafted uh, behind Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer. Wow. Uh, but I'm am still waiting for the phone to ring. Um, <laughs> you know, there was like there was like eight or nine guys drafted that year, but but I was fortunate. I signed a free agent contract with the Bears, and uh, I was there for four years, went to Carolina for two, back to Chicago for three, and then uh, Washington won, Cincinnati won, Buffalo two years, and then Miami Dolphins with saving my last year. But the reason I lasted because, you know, I understood my role on the team. Everybody wants to play, but sometimes you got to be smart and say, look, you know, you're 190 pounds. You don't have the physical stature of a lot of these guys. Yeah, I, I can throw the football. I'm, I'm more accurate than most of them. I know where to go with it, but when guys are drafted, they're going to be given every opportunity they possibly can to succeed. And they, they may fall flat on their face, but I knew every offense I was in, you know, I was the guy that would help the starter. I would help the receivers if they needed, if you needed to know what to do. So I was kind of like an extra coach and uh, I enjoyed doing that because I'm a coach's son. I've been around it my whole life and, learning from Steve Spurrier allowed me to play that long.
0: Yeah, and and like Bubba earlier, my my years are overlapping in my brain. I'm trying to get time periods right. Was your time at Florida, did it overlap with Charlie Ward's time at Florida State?
3: Charlie Ward, so uh, my senior year was uh, the first year Charlie played quarterback. And uh, we played them in Tallahassee. And it was the week before the first ever SEC championship game against Alabama. And like the third play of the game, I got clobbered, but I also got stepped on my big right toe. You know, back in those days, you had those big, long screwing cleats. And my toenail popped off. I could feel it. This was like a second down play. I could feel my whole right foot just getting hot you know, my sock filling up with blood. So I go to the sideline. There's nothing they can do, but I keep playing, but we couldn't stop them. We'd go down and score. They'd run a kickoff back or something. So the game got out of hand and coach took me out a little bit after halftime and um, to get me ready to play against Alabama the next week. But yeah, Charlie Ward was a senior. I mean, excuse me, I was a senior and I don't know what year Charlie was when his when his first year of playing. Okay. He
0: was
3: He was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, no doubt about it. And, when I was going go to the NBA, you know?
2: Yeah. And, Shane, I had another question or a comment regarding your time with Florida, but before I get to that, um, when you were discussing your pro career, you said your final years with the Dolphins and Coach Saban. So talk about that opportunity to learn from um, definitely one of the best, if not the best, um, college football coaches ever and,
3: um that time, um, obviously, with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, what was unique about that is – I was only there about six weeks. I was actually back here in Gainesville uh, after my second my second year with Buffalo in two thousand five. I pretty much <clears throat> had been in the league thirteen years. You know, I was pretty much getting ready to retire. I was out mowing my yard and got a call from my agent because Dante Culpepper had blown his knee out or something. He was the starter for the Dolphins at that time. So I'm down there for about six weeks just as a backup. But it was it was interesting because I didn't I mean I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to Nick Saban then because he was just a guy you know just a regular coach in the NFL. Now he was a players' coach. He got along great with the players. He was hard on his on his assistant okay. coaches. But I kind of wish now, knowing what he he did once he left there, that I would have kind of paid a little more attention. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. No question about it, and. As far as your uh, podcast, let's talk about that. Very excited to have a fellow brother in the podcasting land, <laughs> podcasting world. Uh, let's talk about that. I know that um, something you started, I want to give a plug, and I can't wait to listen uh, myself.
3: Yeah, I started it, um, a, a guy runs all my marketing and advertising and stuff, and, and I started it back in January, it's called Pot Up with Matthews in the Morning. You can watch it on Facebook Live, live from 8 to 8.55 in the morning. Obviously, you can watch it anytime else on Facebook Live. Uh, you can check it out on Spotify, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. But you know, now that there's been those sports, I've had you know different journalists. I've had a bunch of former teammates. I had uh, today a, a girl that was a swimmer here at Florida, the most decorated Olympic female athlete ever, Dara Torres, who yeah. swam here at Florida was on my show today. Has 13 medals, and it was a phenomenal show. So uh, it's been cool to reconnect with not only teammates of mine, but, you know, I brought in a lot of urban Meyer kids that played for him won championship. So it's been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. The way you describe it, Shane, it, it sounds very similar to, um, us here at the sports objective. Our focus is East Carolina athletics. as You can tell, but at the same time, we like to branch out and talk to guys like yourself. Or, um, it's funny you brought up Charlie Ward cause we had him on the show and, uh, and we, we've talked to a lot of a lot of excellent former athletes, and then also um, journalists, like you mentioned. Yeah, I
3: had um, a couple of days ago. I had my called it my Georgia Bulldog segment. I had Mark Schleyball from ESPN.com because he's a Georgia grad, and then I had Kevin Butler, who was a teammate of mine with the Chicago Bears and the only kicker in the College Football Hall of Fame. So I caught a lot of grief from my my Gator folks.
0: <laughs> and I got a suggestion for you. What's that? For your podcast get get a don't 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 steal the idea altogether because it's something me and bubble kicked around well why don't you why don't you get a, a former tennessee player maybe a linebacker that sacked you a couple of times and just talk about some games you guys had or former georgia player you remember well i think that'd be a lot of fun to listen to
3: that is a great idea i don't know why i never thought of that <laughs> well
1: uh certainly that's uh something we talked about and uh say another thing i thought about that we talked about is uh having like the old uh, ball coach talking to uh, Phil Fulmer you know like having two former coaches talking see if they would come on the same show together
3: yeah that would be great especially they used to take a lot of jabs at one another back in the day they're yeah good they another good friends but uh you know that's the great thing about Spurrier is you know he you know he beat Clemson five straight years at South Carolina which to me is just remarkable and he used to take so many jabs at Dabo Sweeney, but they're, they're great friends. It was just a, a friendly little rivalry that they had.
2: And Shane, one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, talking about the present, obviously a lot going on right now. Uh, when will football season start? Uh, how will it look when it does start? Um, so just talk about the Gators. And obviously our program is really trending in the right direction under coach Dan Mullen. So talk about the Gators uh, present day.
3: Well, you know, Dan Mullen has has things rolling in the right direction. Uh, You know, he was here before, won two national titles as offensive coordinator. He wins 10 games in year one, 11 games in year two. I think we lost. That's why why I'm hoping that we can get college football played, which I think we will, because if we don't, a lot of schools aren't going to make it. But Florida has a chance this year to be one of the teams in the, in the four-team playoff. The way their schedule sets up, they have LSU at home. And then Georgia, obviously, will be a huge game in Jacksonville. But their biggest road game is at Ole Miss. So Florida's schedule, this is the year, year three for Dan Mullen. They've done a tremendous job recruiting. They're going to continue recruiting well. But this is the year that uh, we have a chance to be in that fourteen playoff.
1: It'll be very exciting. And uh, as far as the folks down in their games for you guys, I know the governor opened up the state a few weeks ago. How are things for you personally? And how are things folks uh, folks around uh, the, that college town?
3: Well, for a while, man, it was like a ghost town. But things are starting to happen a little bit around here. You know, it's, it's interesting. Y'all may not know, but my, my son's a uh, preferred walk-on quarterback for the Gators. He was a uh, freshman oh, wow. last year. And um, really good player, a lot better than I was, just didn't get my height. He's about 5'10", 170. But it's been interesting how they get all their workouts sent to them via text, videos. It's all this body weight stuff while we've been quarantined. And so I think either June 1st, I don't know if it's June 1st, June 8th, or June 15th, they are planning to start having kids, quote, have come back uh, with some voluntary workouts um, so to be anxious to see but we, we have to play college football or I don't know if our country can survive
1: mm, that's the interesting thing to me Shane is uh, what we talked about off the air and on the air uh, this, this is nothing different than we do off the air maybe some language be uh, worse. Uh, but as far as uh, the subject matter, uh, one of the things that we talked about is the very fact of how it looks like uh, the SEC is saying, we're going to play football, and then you have some other conferences. not. It's going to be really interesting to see if uh, how that all shakes up with uh, bowl seasons, with certain contracts between the, the two uh, schools or different things like that, mm-hmm. if they, they don't play or that sort of thing. So I, I'm interested to see how that comes about. But I totally agree with you. I think the I think there's a lot of people that are saying the season won't be played, and we're just talking about May right now. We have a long time before that decision needs to be made.
3: Yeah, uh, I agree 100% with you. We have to play. And, and, and my fear is, you know, depending on when they start, hopefully we start on time and have a regular season. But, you know, they're talking about, you know, only playing conference games or what have you. But for the Troy Universities of the world, the South Alabamas, even the East Carolinas, they need that big payday. Oh yeah, they we do. They <laughs> need to go play that game in the swamp or or between the hedges or in Tuscaloosa or wherever because the smaller programs that's how they survive. And not only that though, it's a great opportunity for the kids on those teams that had dreams of playing in the SEC big-time college football. It's their one chance to go get that experience in a great stadium with a great environment. Now, even if they do get to play this year, I don't think we're going to have a packed house. I think it's going to be, you know, twenty or 30,000 fans. I don't know what they're going to do, but um, I hope they figure something out because those smaller tiered schools need that payday.
1: Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I, I think we're going to play it. I think the NFL, I think a lot of the – they'll figure it out by that point. The good news, can you – this is something I have to mentioned to the guys. So this is an audible right here uh, at the line. Uh, Shane knows about those. But uh, for me personally, I was thinking about the other day, can you imagine uh, early this week? I was thinking, but can you imagine the fact if what if this COVID-19 had broke and happened, uh, say, August or September and not the early part of this year? That would hurt a lot of programs even more than it's hurting them now.
3: Yeah, I guess if you want to say that the only good that came out of it, it happened while the spring sports were in session, right, yeah. not, not really the fall sports. So uh, I know it, it screwed up March madness, which costs a lot of people a lot of money, but, you know, hopefully we can get this thing under of control. Uh, you know, I think it's more comes down to having common sense when you're out and about. Um, but if we can get a vaccine soon or what have you, but you know, we, we got to get back to some type of normalcy and I know it sounds terrible, but sports are, a part of our lives, everybody's life, and we got to start playing sports
0: again. It
1: certainly brings everybody together, and uh, certainly there are a lot of people that they may be from different walks of life. It's beautiful to be the stadium. I've seen it many times at Dowdy-Fickland Stadium where people that may not normally get together, they're together, and they see that purple on, and they high-five each other. They're hugging each other because of the big victories that we have seen in the past, and we will see again uh, great stuff. Hey, uh, how can, again, how can we find you again on your podcast? And before we let you go, uh, can you tell us about maybe some social media, how we can keep up with you?
3: Yeah. Again, it's pot up with Matthews in the morning. You can check it out on Facebook live, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast. Um, my Twitter, let me think of what my Twitter is. I think it's SM Niner, S M N I N E R, which was my number. And, um, I guess that's about it. I'm not real good when it comes to all this stuff. but uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, talking to the pirate nation. Well,
1: thank Definitely. you very much. Appreciate it. Shane. We enjoyed it. The conversation look forward to having you on again soon.
3: Absolutely. Y'all take care. Be safe. All right.
1: Thank Thanks. you.
3: <laughs>
1: Great there from Shane Matthews. Appreciate him very much. And, uh, Definitely love to have him back on a lot of great stories and i'm sure there's a lot of stories that because of the old ball coach you can't tell <laughs> uh, we don't have to worry about the f c c but certainly uh, we try as as Kyle can tell you and Bubble can tell you we try really hard uh, to keep it at least p g uh, if not g yeah. most of the time where all the uh, my kids can watch uh, the show or listen to the show, and that's something so can bubble's so that's something we can uh, be very proud of. Well, this is the moment that a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, we want to be able to talk about the breaking news today. Uh, very upset about the decision made uh, today to cut four sports. Uh, we're going to talk about that now, and um, I guess at this point, uh, the what's going to be what's next. So, guys, where do you want to uh, start? How do you want to dissect
0: everything? Well, I mean, I guess you got to kind of start uh, where it is, and you know, more while we're in this situation and. You know, I think it all starts back with uh, the so-called Greenville Mafia. Yeah. uh, Running Terry Holland out of town. And um, that started the downward trajectory. Uh, Made a piss-poor decision to hire Jeff Comfort um, after we ran Holland out of town. Um, Comfort did nothing but make bad decisions like firing Ruffin McNeil. Town Bay Tower, Cecil Staten brought in. Should have never been brought in as chancellor. Um, buying a chancellor's house. Certain people are responsible for him becoming chancellor, um, and uh, we know the, who they are. And um, then Town Bank Tower, just in general, man, just the whole situation—you know, with Town Bank Tower, it was too much money spent for years. People asked Holland, "Why don't we replace? Why don't we replace the double line in the sky?" And Holland's right. answer was, "It's functionable." And you don't make money with a press box. <laughs> it's not a good model for making money, dumbasses. And uh, so you add suites and club-level seating that we didn't need because we had a club level. <laughs> Instead of just building a reasonable press box with a few suites, you add uh, this, this however many, how many millions of dollars is it? 80 million, 40 million? Six, six
2: 65. The most recent number I would heard was at least 65, maybe 67.
0: Yeah, Yeah, 65 million, you know, giant. What does it do? What does it do for us? Do recruits walk in and go, God to mighty, the press has a fancy press box to sit in. Holy shit. I got to play at East Carolina because ESPN has fancy seats to sit in. Look at this press box. I'm going to come here now. It does nothing for us. It was a waste of money. We could have yeah. had a nicer press box on a budget. Then no to fire Ruffin McNeil. I'll shut up in a minute. Then the decision to fire yeah. Ruffin McNeil and Jeff Comfer and Cecil State and just continually to not care about the average East Carolina fan, run people off, piss people off. We didn't matter extending Jeff conference contract board of trustees. And some of you are still there yep. doing all this crap, putting us further and further in the hole to the point. People quit buying season tickets. People quit coming around. Scotty Montgomery didn't even mention him. Scotty hadn't even mentioned. You bring in Scotty friggin' Montgomery and you just run the program to the ground. We rely so much on season ticket sales here in football. Football has to be strong. Yes. And because of poor decisions by the previous administration, they ran a football program into the ground. They made promises they couldn't keep with no plans. We got a press box we can't pay for. It's put us in debt. We we are we, we're, we're projecting, you know, selling X number of tickets, and we're not even coming close to meeting those to meeting those marks because of how bad football's been. I mean, and there's. Yeah, we're buying out Jeff Confer still. Buying out twenty was twenty one million dollars or twenty one thousand dollars a month, I think we're paying Jeff yeah, state, Make him sue. Make confer and plus Staten, I guess we're buying out Staten too. Yep. But make Confer sue if he wants to get paid. Make him sue us. Make him tie us up in court. I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do, you, you make him sue. Even if he wins, you put that money you put $21,000 in an IRA every month and you tie him up in court for five years. Then if you have to pay him, if if you can't settle out of court for what you owe him, you know, for half of it and you have to end up paying him the whole amount, let's say it takes five years. You tie him in court. You have to end up paying Well, you put that $21,000, you'd be paying him every month in IRA. then by the time you end up paying him, you've at least drawn some interest and made some of your money back. Even if he gets his money. So just don't hand him his money. Make him, make him work for it. Make him take us to court. So anyway, it's, it's a shame. At the end of the day, we had to cut sports. Um, it's going to save us roughly around a million dollars a year. What I heard uh, with those four sports being cut. Um, so it's a shame it had to be done. I wish we could have cut lacrosse and that's nothing against Amanda or the girls on the lacrosse team just out of purpose, uh, because Conford, Shelley brought it in and didn't need to be brought in. We didn't need to add another sport now that we're cutting for. Um, I think COVID-19 just added on to problems already there. You can't blame this on COVID-19. COVID-19 was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so I I hate it for the, for, the, for, the, for the men and women that play tennis. I hate it for the coaches. I hate it for the swimming and diving teams. that We have a lot of tradition in those sports.
1: Um, yeah, we we just, we just won a championship in March. We just yeah. won a championship in March. I mean, come on. It's, I'll tell you the problem I have right now. I'm going to tell you guys and I'll, um, I'll, if you're, are you done or I'll, I'll let you go on a little bit more. I'll,
0: I'll finish my fall. Okay. Um, I think John Gilbert is, has been handed in a tough situation. Um, I think he's a good man. Um, I, I think he, uh, making some tough decisions. Uh The one thing I would tell John and I would tell Ryan and all those guys is, uh, you need a little fire, man. We need a little fire. Something needs to motivate Pirate Nation. We we need to we need to hear a rally. We need we need to hear some some piss and vinegar from you. You know, we need organization with the Pirate Club. The Pirate Club is a hot mess. I mean, have- there's no reps. You know, Ryan Robinson is the is the you know acting head and. We need leadership in the Pirate Club. And then, you know, I would end it with this with, um, with Ron, um, Mitchelton. Ron, uh, huh? Mitchelson. Yes, Mitchelson. Um, Ron, I think is a, a solid person. And, um, I, I don't think right now, uh, it's the time to, to be replacing the chancellor. Um, we're, we're, we're in too much turmoil, uh, particularly if it's going to be another political appointment. Um, and there's some people that want to do that. Yep. So let, uh, let, let Mitchelson just, uh, let things play out. Just, 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 just give it time. If if you don't want to name him chancellor, let, let him stay on his intern for another year or so. And, uh, we, we need something stable. I mean, we, we need, that's another thing, man. There's just been so much turmoil. We need things to be stable for a while at the university. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, for me personally, I'm very upset. First, another thing you forgot to mention, Kyle, is that we had the issue with the chancellor's house that was uh, not cool. And we promised the neighborhood association we going to keep the chancellor's house on Fifth Street. We spent um I think we spent like a speaking of spending like a million dollars. We said we we're spending we spent a million dollars um on the and now and then we and then we uh, not only that. So we went away from that. Then we went to buy a house from a guy that was a former former member of the ecu foundation the house was worth nine hundred thousand dollars and we bought it for what 1.2 1.3 million i mean it's away from the university it's not a part of campus that was a terrible decision another part of the greenville mafia that was a terrible idea and i'm coming clean about it i've been holding back for a long time but we all three of us uh, are nice guys We spend thousands of dollars every single year on this podcast, thousands of hours working to promote ECU sports. We're spending money on season tickets, Pirate Club, you name it. We've done it for East Carolina. And so what I want to see is, okay, you cut the sports. There's a lot of people that want to cut the sports. You cut the sports today. What's your plan? What's your plan? I'm not hearing anything about $10 million, how that's erased. We got plenty of people right now that talk a big game that never contribute to the university ever. And I don't care if you're a million dollar donor or you're a dollar, a potential dollar or a hundred dollar donor. We have a lot of people that never, ever give, but they're the first piece of the people to complain. We need those folks to step up. Number one, Um I'm very upset about the swimming and diving. For example, we have a guy like Rick Kobe, a hall of famer who spent what 30 years at the university. You just going to throw that all away? Is that's going to vanish? Do you really think, Cutting four sports, a million dollars a year, do you think that's going to help the problem? We've got a lot other problems in cutting sports. And that was just, to me, that was just to show people that we're doing something about it. It's a permanent decision for a temporary problem. i tell you what we need to do. Dave Hart said it best when he said, we need to make football healthy. So all you people out there right now, buy season tickets. We have 40, it's embarrassing, 4,600 season tickets is all we've sold. And you look at ten years ago, we we're winning championships. Twenty four, what was it, Bubba? Twenty four and a half thousand. We we sold under Skip Holtz. We are pirates. You keep everybody talks about how
0: they love the pirates. They
1: love the pirates.
0: What's that? Did we did we ever get that high? Jesus,
2: it was pretty close. Yeah. It, it was it yeah. was at
1: least upper twenty threes, yeah. And so what I'm saying is. What I'm saying is now, instead of everybody, I'm hearing on radio shows and different things, people pointing fingers. What I want you to do is everybody come together. Instead of a slogan being One Pirate Nation, why can't we just literally buy season tickets, give more money to the Pirate Club? If it's $10 million, why can't people come on a, a podcast or a radio show, television, newspaper? And if you have to beg or whatever we have to do to get the 10000000 million, let's get the $10 million, move on. I'm sick and tired of hearing about how we're in debt. We can be out of debt. Everybody, instead of pointing fingers about who did what or when, that's over. Now, this is a new day. This is a new era. Those sports are gone. I'm sick and tired of hearing about over and over and over again about how we're in debt. We've been hearing about that for – We knew this is not like this is new today. It's not like COVID. You can't blame COVID-19. We were in debt way before COVID-19, going all the way back to people getting desserts and free liquor. I mean, that's – we've got –
0: Dave, I think the reason, you know, like I was just pointing fingers is because some people still want that are still involved. I know um, that. I know some that. People, some people that you have a lot of respect for because of what they did for you in the past that won't admit the, the crap they've done and want to, and want to, and want to try to, try to, you know, make it look good. Um, and, uh, if you're going to keep being involved, look, if you, quit, quit doing the same crap, first of all, if you, if you, if you, if you've made mistakes in the past, realize you, you made it? mistakes what you're doing is hurting the university and if you want to stay involved quit doing the same crap quit making your party and particularly your side of a political party more important than the university and the people of eastern north carolina
1: i was going to say that i don't care if you're democrat republican everybody knows there's different political views on this show number the one
0: the party in this state is divided
1: yeah. So what I'm saying is, I don't care about any of that. I don't care who you vote for. Look right here. We're all. Let's see if I can get up there. I can't do it real good. There we go. All pirates. And you look at my ring. We're all pirates. All right. We're pirates. Why do we have to worry about who's appointed? If it's Tim Moore, we don't care. We don't want Tim Moore. Let me go ahead and say on the record, we don't want Tim Moore as chair. You know, chairman. Yeah. We don't, I mean, there's the chance. I,
0: I don't know anything about Tim Moore. He, he doesn't seem to have a lot of. I, I personally, me personally. Being we are a a facility of higher learning and education, I would like someone with that kind of background as the chancellor. I don't know. I yeah. may be crazy, but uh, it seems like a good idea. Um, I, I really don't know anything about Tim Moore except he's a Republican speaker. Um, I don't think we need to make a change right now at the chancellor huh. position, period, for a while. And I'm not just repeating what Troy said today on the pirate radio. We just happen to agree on this. Um, I, I think you need to leave Ron alone. Yes. Give him time. If you don't want to make him the permanent chancellor, then leave the interim tag on him and give him at least another year to stabilize things. And then let's get the right person in here. And, you know, he's been at this university for a long time. Um, it, it's just, it's time for people to quit using East Carolina for political gain and for um, power, power and to be a part of some kind of club and you know as a, it's just it's ridiculous and because you're hurting the university and if you can't admit it, and, you know also uh, you know um, Harry Smith was talking about it today and I agree with this wholeheartedly. If you don't have the passion for it, if you're just a rubber stamp, yes man, get your ass off the board. Yeah, exactly. If you can't through things. I agree. You know, I, I know John Brame's a very controversial figure, Um, but somebody like him that questions everything is the kind of people we need on the board because you. you're going to have, before, before it passes through, it's going to have to pass the smell test. And to me, that's what I want on a board. I want somebody that's going to question everything, and then when you present why it's going to work, and then, then when you know it passes, it's going to be the right decision. And it doesn't have to be John because a lot of people don't like John. Um but somebody of that ilk not a yes man
1: well by the way, today is a good day because uh John
0: uh, bring, John became a,
1: John yeah. became a father today in fatherhood, so congratulations to John and Jennifer. uh the, everything I is going last good
0: night, last night the baby was born yeah uh, i think around seven o'clock eastern and uh healthy baby boy and so congratulations to to both of them
1: so i wanted I forgot to say that and also before I do a more rant, I just wanted to say uh, sending our thoughts and prayers out to Coach Pat Dye under the weather right now. We're praying really hard for you, Coach. And uh, there's a lot of great friends of ours, including Terry Gallagher, that come on the podcast a lot. I know Coach has been uh, sick the last few weeks, and we're thinking about you. And I just want to say to all of Pirate Nation watching and that listen to the podcast, please say a big prayer, a big one uh, for Coach right now. He's uh, fighting very hard, and uh, certainly we're thinking about him. Uh, as far as... Uh, to me, um, what I, what's missing for me for everything is simply, as I've said the last two years for this podcast, and everybody else has a platform, so this is our platform that we can talk. Uh, for me, what I, what's missing for me is still uh, there's no plan. Uh, we hear about committees, and I'm tired of hearing about, that's another thing, please don't have another committee, don't have another committee. Committees don't do anything. All they did is rubber stamp what you wanted to do today, and you got your wish, and you did it. And so now what I want to see is not this, um, like shell game, like we're doing something. Because guess what? The, at the end of the day, the big the big picture is we're ten million dollars in debt. I want to hear what you're going to do for the ten million. Not cut sports because that's a small for tennis and for swimming. That's a small that's a small drop in the bucket. We've got big We've got leadership problems that because of spending has hurt us. But the revenue issue is what we need to see is how we can. You know what? I would not be opposed, and I know the Dowdies may get mad at me. John Bream, speaking of which, had a great idea. Why not name, have a, state, a title sponsor for the name of the stadium and then at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium? I mean, whoever that would be, I'm not going to throw it out there. But if that's what it takes to get $10 raised, um, big donors uh, asking those of us donors to give more at a time right now, a special fund, anything is but And also, where are we going in the next 10 or 20 years? We need an indoor practice facility. How about, I think, the world of Cliff Godwin? And the guy's telling you, give me this. The man has got a top 25 program, and he's asking you for these things. That's helping recruiting. That's going to win a national championship with us in the short future. It's not going to be in the near future, not in a long-term situation. Give that guy whatever he wants. I mean, he's a top 25 coach in the nation. That ECU is well-known in baseball and basketball with Joe Dooley. Look at him. He's doing great things. Let's uh, do things for Williams Arena. We can do that if we first we got to tackle the debt, sure. But we've got to have a plan of where we're going, and that's one thing that's been missing for me for quite a while. It doesn't matter filling the athletic director. It doesn't matter who the athletic director is.
0: Well, I think I think part of the problem that Gilbert's facing is there's so much debt and so overwhelming that he he may be having trouble figuring a plan of attack. Uh the biggest thing would be to get the the simple answer to me Dave besides winning obviously would yeah. be to get fire club back on good footing. Yes. Uh, get fire club membership up, get people donating more, um get get you know I, I don't know what we're doing with the fire club and you know it, it, Ryan Robinson is, you know, interim and uh, he's doing two jobs and I mean I just don't know what Pirate Club is. Blow it up start over. I mean, it's like. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. I agree with like,
0: that. There, it, there's no growth. There's no growth in the Pirate Club. And what do we do? What do we do at the Pirate Club? What are the events we have? Well, let's have an, let's, let's, let's have an R model, where it's a dinner with some shitty chicken. And then we'll go out there and we'll have the coaches come speak. And then, and then well, here's what else we'll do. We'll have a golf tournament. It's the same crap over and over. You're doing nothing to appeal to younger people. You're doing nothing to get the the students as they graduate to want to be involved in the Pirate Club. You you know, hey, how about this, y'all? How about this? We have a huge education department in East Carolina. We're a teacher school. We have a huge nursing department. More women go to East Carolina than men. Why don't the Pirate Club do something to appeal to women? Why don't we have an active active, um, recruitment of female graduates to contribute to the Pirate Club? I mean, there's a lot more female alums than there are male alums. Let's appeal to them. Uh, they got money too, so I mean, let's let's reach out to everybody we can, and and, 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 and get money. And and I think being transparent, and I think this is a good start about our financial situations is good publicly. And I think people need to be addressed. And you know, people. And one thing people want something. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, people don't just want to give to the Pirate Club to help ECU athletics like we do. People right. want, and if they, if they don't want it for status and say, like, "Well, I'm the biggest wig in the Pirate Club, and now I can go and get this special seat," uh, they, they, they they you know they they like to be able to go to the golf tournaments or or they 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 you know like the armadas, and and then for the younger people, they don't care about that crap. So we need something to appeal to them. I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but we can come up with something to get the young graduates, the student pirate club. We need to make sure those numbers are up. And then we need to make sure as they graduate, they stay in the pirate club. And and it feels like it feels like for old men. And that's the problem. It feels like it feels like a group for old white men instead of a group for East Carolina supporters that are, that are young, old, black, white, Hispanic, male, female. And uh, you know, l- l- let's let's make one pirate nation, let's have one pirate club. You know, a club, let's let call it a pirate club. A club sounds exclusive. I don't know what you call it. I guess it's a booster club. I guess you gotta call it some crap like that. But everybody who cares about East Carolina. And let me tell you something right now, if you're watching this, we'll probably preach it to the choir. But if you cared about East Carolina at one point in time, I've it's, said it's, you can be angry. I'm still angry. But if you if you if you ain't going to get to the Pirate Club anymore, and you ain't going to support the university right now yes. and, and get money, then all those memories you have, all those all those things you love, you know, winning the Peach Bowl, winning the Liberty Bowl, winning the conference championships under Skip Holtz, uh, beating NC State and, and and UNC, and all the times that we beat all those ACC schools on the Ruffin McNeil, all those great memories. You can hang them up oh. because we'll you down this path 10 years from now. We might be playing FCS football.
1: That's the thing that worries me is the very fact that uh, when you have a great coach like Mike Houston, okay? I bet you Mike Houston, and I know he said set it off the record, but uh, I know Mike Houston probably when he came here, he said, oh, my hey, Mike, God, what my in God, the world? Know. what?
0: He's probably saying, well, now what in the hell have I gotten myself into?
1: Yeah. I mean, think about it. Think about this. James Madison. Great school. We're going to have Brian North from Channel 12 on soon. We like him a lot. Uh, I know people personally have been to James Madison. It's a beautiful campus. I have nothing against it. But James Madison has an indoor practice facility. Liberty University has a practice facility. Why can't people get in their heads that we need an indoor practice facility? And guess what? You don't build an indoor practice facility overnight. That's what I'm talking about. Coming back to a plan, Coach Houston deserves an indoor practice facility. Anything Coach Houston wants, D- Joe Dooley, and look at Cliff Godwin. We've got a lot of great coaches in East Carolina. This is the best coaches we we've get, had in a long time.
0: Yeah, we got to get out of debt first, but you can make a plan. Yeah, you know, once we get out of debt, to start building those facilities. You know, um, Baba, you and you hadn't spoke on this, but we'll start with this. You, you spoke how app state just has a simple indoor practice facility you know it it doesn't have to be multi million dollars just like the press box didn't have to it just has to look good and serve the purpose
2: yeah that's what i don't know what apps cost and it's been around several years now as well and obviously the cost of construction has significantly risen but uh uh, as far as theirs i want to say it's i think they may have expanded or they, they at least have plans to expand it but uh it's at least 60, but maybe like 70 or 80 yards. It certainly, I know it was nowhere close to a, a 120. So, uh, but yeah, it was functional. It served the purpose and obviously a much different climate up there as far as the cold. But yeah, like, like, like you said, um, Kyle with the thunderstorms and hurricanes and other things that we experience in Eastern North Carolina that the mountains don't experience so much. Um, it's certainly needed.
0: Yeah. Bobby, morning, on, on this in general, you haven't. You haven't really given your opinion on uh, uh, oh. the
2: whole As far as the cutting of sports, um, I haven't had the opportunity to watch the entire press conference from this afternoon. I was watching it live. Unfortunately, there were some uh, Facebook um, or ECU technical issues on uh, wherever that lied. Um, but uh, I've watched about the first five or 10 minutes of the replay and um, Dr. Ron Mitchelson's comments at the very beginning is what you would have probably expected him to say, but it certainly seemed very heartfelt. i uh, Horribly difficult, equally necessary. Um, that was something that stood out. I thought that was well said um, because that's certainly how I feel. And I think uh, the majority of Pirate Nation feels that it was a horribly difficult decision for our leadership, but also, unfortunately, uh, equally necessary. Um, it's just it's such a shame that you have to see those four programs, I think 68 athletes, nine coaches, yep. Yep. and, um, uh, and between our head coaches and assistant coaches and then all, all the alumni. Um, um, I saw a lady posting on Facebook. Her husband is a swimmer for ECU back in the 1960s. And she was just talking about those relationships that he developed back then 50 plus years ago are still his best friends today uh, from, from the swim team. So just things like that, memories that are going to live on. But unfortunately, um, they saw their program that they love so much and gave their blood, sweat, and tears for go by the wayside today. Uh, hope, hopefully, we'll have success and be able to bring it back in the future.
0: Yeah, and, and that was something else about the, the reason swimming was chose, despite the success instead of something else, was because uh, apparently the Aquatic Center needed significant upgrades and it just wasn't a commitment we could afford to make, or was willing to make right now. So I think that was why. I think tennis was a pretty obvious choice. No offense to anyone, but uh, I think that's why it was the tough decision to cut swimming was because of the upgrades needed to the aquatic center.
2: Yes, I, I knew that. Um, yeah. I, had seen, I had seen what Stephen Igo, uh, who's going to be on the program soon, uh, of course, from hoist the colors. What he had said, uh, he. Um, Even though I didn't hear Gilbert say this, um, Stephen said, uh, Gilbert says the state of the current facilities for tennis and swimming and diving played a large role, and that's something that I was aware of ahead of time for sure. Um Tennis had been leasing a facility, and um yeah. John Gilbert said that those leases will be allowed to expire, of course, uh when, when he was asked about that. And uh, he said we will continue to use the Menchies Natatorium for – academic purposes um, for at least the immediate future. Um, but we'll see how long that goes on. Uh, and that's, that's one of the questions I was actually talking to my dad this afternoon. We're interested um, in what the cost of the upkeep would be for the Menchies Natatorium for academic purposes. What about
0: club swimming? I mean, I, I'm assuming that there are universities in the area that have club swimming that yep. if we want to have a club swimming team that they could compete with.
2: Well, here yeah, <laughs> I, I certainly hope um, that, all these student athletes, um, well, first of all, uh, like John Gilbert and Dr. Ron Mitchelson said, their scholarships, yes, that's a year-to-year thing. But if they wanted to remain at East Carolina and not swim, then they can certainly do so. Um, but uh, like you're saying, they're I'm,
1: not do it. I, I I imagine a large, large percentage is... They're not going to do that. I mean, that's really uh, dumb. They know they're not going to stay. That's why they said they're going to honor the, the scholarships. It's yeah. a nice-eating, nice thing. And if we're going to be real, we're going to have to be really real right now. And I think that the days of uh, those of us being nice are not going to be nice anymore. We're tired of spending thousands of dollars, thousands of hours, thousands of everything um, to see the program implode. And we've got to decide. We're at a crossroads, gentlemen. we got to decide, are we Division One Are we FCS? Um, people get mad at me for saying that. But when you make decisions like you made today and going all the way back to 2013, um, it doesn't, it doesn't look as a division one program. And, um, and Kyle, I know when you said, um, when we lost to James Madison and Mike Houston, we were definitely, uh, they were way better than us. And FCS program was better than us. Um, A well, and T, kind of, of course. Um, so, so we've got to decide, do we want to be a division one school or do we know drop back to FCS? I mean, I, I'm really serious. I'm not, I'm not joking because decisions that are made like today, um, when you're $10 million
0: in the hole. I don't, I mean, Dave, you're entitled to your opinion. I mean, I, I just, I, I hate to, to put too much on the decision of today. I, I don't think it's anybody's, I don't think it's anybody's theirs now's fault that today's decision had to be made.
1: I'm not blaming them as far as, um do I think that they made the decisions, terrible decisions? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that look at the big picture. When you're $10 million in the hole. Um, these sports that we pick today are not the problem. And I think that I still don't see a plan of how we get out of there. How, how do we get out of 10 million dollars when um, let's uh, another thing to address? And I want to make it very clear here on our platform is the very fact of I believe it'll never happen. But I believe the way that board of trustees are picked are terrible. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. I want people that love East Carolina. I don't give a damn. If you're a Democrat or Republican, I love East Carolina. East Carolina gave me a chance when they should have never given me a chance to enter the school. And they did. And guess what? I graduated. And that made me even more proud of a pirate. And I'm a, I'm wearing my ring today. I'm wearing my shirt today because I'm like somebody. The, the people that made the decisions today won't be around in 20 or 30 years. They won't be there. But I will still be a pirate once and for all. I will. I'll, I'll die a pirate. And that's one of the things I'm very frustrated about is people keep coming in making decisions that are paid pirates. And guess what? They leave, but we get to inherit the problems and we never solve the problems. We just keep, that's what we're doing today. We're just passing it down the line. We're not, we need to roll up the sleeves and do something about it and not just say we're doing something about it by cutting sports because uh, that doesn't do it. That doesn't—that
0: it. I think one of the problem is, and I alluded to it before, Dave is there's some people here that, Claim they love the university and maybe have done a lot for the university in the past that are still being involved and making bad decisions because they're running it like it was ran 20 years ago. They're doing things for political gains and social gains and, and instead of what's best for the university. And you got to stop doing that crap. And, and until that happens, until those people get the hell away from the programs or they get the hell away from the university or remember. What this university is supposed to be, um, we're, it's just going to keep happening, and um, that's the problem. I mean, you can have this person or that person. You know, it, it, if if certain people don't like them, they're going they're going to make sure they get out of here some way, shape, or form. So <laughs> until the until the Steve Logan used to call him the lunatic fringe. Uh, and tell that lunatic friend, and tell this handful of rich white assholes, quit ruining things. Uh, And the majority isn't ruling. It's time for the majority to step up, because the majority of the people feel like I feel, feel like you feel like you feel. And it's time that the majority rules instead of the minority. And the minority in this case, ain't used to be in the minority, rich white assholes. So, uh, and, and tell those guys, look, we, we'll take your money, but shut up and sit down. You don't know what you're doing anymore. You, you 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 know nothing about how modern universities and athletics should be ran. So give your money, but shut up and sit down. Go go sit in the go go sit in the multi million dollar press box in your suite, and and and, and let and, and let the uh and, and let the Gen Xers run shit. Because it's time that uh that our generation is running things. And you take your old asses over there. And this isn't an ageist thing. This is a, this is a group of people, not, not all older people that are from that age group are like this. So understand that when I'm saying this, because a lot of cool people, Barry Kearney, I'm looking at you. Um, that's right. People people from that, uh, from, from that set, go, go take your ass to your suite and, and, and let, and, and, and let some people, let some new blood get in there and make some decisions.
1: It's very frustrating because we sit around and, you know, where everybody talks about how we're going to be this big school. We're a big school. We're a big school. Big, big schools don't do this. And what I mean by that is we, they don't allow, I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about collectively, like when I was on Adam Gold's show yesterday, I said, Adam, I'm trying to give you seven years and seven minutes. I think it was by eight, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that very thing. There's so much has happened. And I even talked about at the beginning of that interview. There's so much has happened. You could ESPN could do a 30 for 30, man. It would be kick ass. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Um, but I just my biggest thing is um, I think that things have gotten way out of control, way out of hand. Um, again, I want to see a plan. I've set it for two years. The master plan of where are we going in the next five, 10, 20 years? Guess what? I make plans all the time. They change. But at least I have a plan. Uh, plan. No plan is a plan. It's just not a good one. And we keep doing that over and over and over again. We waited 40 years for a press box. That was from 1978. And we could have had a nice press box if we had gone like in Logan's end of Logan's term in the 90s. That's when we needed to build one. So that's what I'm talking about is when you don't have a plan. And then what's happening is you don't have a plan. And then all these people come and go. New athletic directors, new administrators just keep coming and going. And after a while, it's like, stop the insanity, like Susan Powder. I mean, stop the insanity. We've been doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. It's not happening. And, and it's,
0: you can look at it just in football, you can go all the way back to the 80s. Well, we ran Ed Emery away somebody who, who won, won, but had a couple of seasons that weren't great, but he was a winner. Let's run him away. Well, then we suck. And he was alum too. Remember? He was an alum.
2: Yeah. And, then, and,
0: oh, yeah. hire, and then we hire Art Baker and we suck. And, yeah. and then, and then and then we, then we, then Steve Logan comes in and he wins. And then we we'll get tired about of him. Bill Lewis. Uh, Bill, Bill Lewis. Lewis no, I, I'm going I'm, to Bill Lewis. I'm making a point here. Okay. So, so, we, so we run in Emory off and then, then we bring in Art Baker and we suck. Then we run Steve Logan off. We bring in John Thompson and we suck. And then we run Ruffin McNeil off and we bring in Scotty Montgomery and we suck. It's because we keep doing the same things over. And, and I'll tell you what. With, if it happens again, I'm telling you right now. Let's say let's say Mike Houston turns around and it's six and six, and it's seven and five, and it's eight and four, and it's five and seven, and it's six and six, and it's five and seven, and it's seven and five, and he doesn't ever have that big twelve win season. They'll be let's run Mike Houston off, get him out of here. And, and people better remember. People better remember. If you do that, you better have a damn good plan in place. Cause if not, you're going to wind up with Scotty Montgomery or John Thompson or Art Baker.
1: You sound like Gomer Powell there. I used to have flashbacks as a kid. I used to love that. Yeah. <laughs> that <Goldmer> Powell. Shazam. <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, we could talk hours about this. I think that it's, uh, something to started. I hope that, uh, certainly what I'm hoping for is that, that we can start a brand new, maybe this is a fresh start. Um, I'm hopeful. And I'm praying really hard for our leadership, and I mean that sincerely, that they will listen to us. Um, One of the things that I will say about John Gilbert and Ryan Robinson that I like the most is they talk to everybody. They listen to everybody. They're not like the previous administration. If you're one of the big donors, if you're the big donors, then that's what they would do. They would only listen to the big donors. They wouldn't listen to any of us. Forget about those of us in the 100 a $1,000 range. Forget about uh, any of us. And that was one of the things I love about Gilbert. Hey, I love the fact that John Gilbert drives a pickup truck. I think that's cool as all get out that a guy from Eastern North. I mean, a guy that's living in Eastern North Carolina drives a truck. Um, but anyway, he gets the culture. I'm hoping I'm just hopeful. I'm going to keep praying that finally the light bulb will go off in the word building, that people will understand that we need to do something. Um, we can't keep doing this over and over again. So we can talk about it all night, guys. Uh, we've got a big night tomorrow night with trivia. And also, um, speaking of season tickets, order your season tickets 1 800 dial ECU. If you care about the program, order the season tickets, forget about the past. We can't do anything about the past anyway. We can't do anything about it. Um,
0: what you're saying, Dave, about 1 800 Dollar ECU, ECU, easy season tickets. If we don't play the season or the season is shortened, maybe we play four games instead of six at home, you'll get a refund. I personally, I don't know that I would even accept my refund at this point. To be honest, no, yeah, no. Um, so but uh, if you're of that ilk and uh, maybe you can't afford not to get your refund, um, then uh, order your tickets. See, if if that's something you're worried about, uh, order your tickets. You'll get a refund if the season's not played. And, and also, Bubba, hey, hey, let me point this out, yeah. Dave, Bubba. There's a lot of a lot of talk going around that there may be limited capacity at football stadiums this year. So let's say all of a sudden we're only allowed to have a certain percentage, maybe 10,000 people at Daddy Ficklin, You better have your season ticket because that's probably how you're going to get in if you don't need. So you, you might want to make sure you get them because if we have limited capacity. Season ticket holders are going to get first-come, first-served basis. So you better get your tickets now. And,
1: Bubba, before I forget, too, I want to mention to bring you in because um, – one of the things we want to mention: we're giving away a pair of season tickets. We we love the program so much that we can, we put our money together. We got a pair of season tickets there. We're giving away. And Bubba, how do they how do they do that? How do they win the tickets?
2: That's so what they follow us on social media, then go to our Facebook page. How you very well may be watching right now. You can like, follow, and share our post there. It's pinned at the top of the page, and that will get you one entry. You can also follow us on Twitter. At the Sports Obj, and you can retweet and like our pin uh, tweet there, and uh, that will get you an, a second entry. Uh, you can also uh, screenshot proof of wherever you subscribe to the show and uh, reply with that either on Facebook or Twitter. That would get you a third entry, and then a fourth way to to get your name in the hat uh, for for uh, four chances at winning these tickets is to go to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. So. Those are the four ways you can put your name into the hat anywhere from one to four times. And then some other things that I had, um, the first thing, uh, actually kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, Kyle, as far as the importance of buying season tickets, um, I think it's Gene Smith, AD at Ohio State, put mm-hmm. an article out there today. I believe it was you that sent it to me. And as mm-hmm. far as that's concerned, um, the capacity there at the Horseshoe is obviously in excess of a 100,000. And they were planning for anywhere from like 20 to 22,000 to be um, in attendance. So I know that's where you're pulling that 10,000 number from. Uh, So whether it's season ticket holders or, and then obviously you have students who are paying fees and um, typically we have anywhere from, you know, eight to maybe even 11 or 12,000 students in attendance. So that's going to be very interesting as well. How many? many how many tickets students are entitled to go ahead, Dave, before
1: I continue. I'm sorry. I was just going to add to your thought, Bubba. Here's, and I mentioned to you guys the other night, I think what you do is very simple. You and Bubba, uh, Kyle, you and Bubba do a great job and I'll have to do a better job because I think what we should do is uh, just like the TSA, I think for a few hours in advance, people start lining up, um, put a mask on, check them to make sure their temperature's right. And um, I have no problems whatsoever. As long as people are wearing a mask and we check their temperatures, that's the biggest thing for me going into the stadium. Because i tell you what, we have, a, we have a big issue right now. COVID is not going to be a for here forever. Um, it's a short-term thing. But what is going to be here forever, hopefully, is uh, football. And if we don't have, if we have 10,000 people, I mean, that's worse than, that's the worst that I've ever heard of, you know, if that's all we have. I mean, that's how we make our money. And uh, we've got to have that money to make the program go.
0: And it's better than no fans. If you if you have oh, that, that, yeah. I mean that, that's uh, you know uh, I, I'd like to see it. it, it I think you know I, maybe we if we can do fifty percent capacity, that'd be twenty five thousand. That's better than um, nothing, yeah. And that'd be fine. I think you know uh, I,
1: that's about what we've been drawing anyway. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great, yeah, that would be a great day for us. Uh, unfortunately. out, <laughs> we'll we'll 25,000. Um, but, uh. <laughs> maybe that'll be, maybe we'd have an excuse then, right? And then sort of half I, I,
0: You know, I do think it'll be at a reduced capacity. I really do. Um, uh, and, and it is certainly part of how we now, now football contract TV money is going to start kicking in this year, Dave. Uh, yeah. So you do get $8 million a year off your TV contractor between seven and eight million, I believe. Yeah. So uh, that is important. Uh, so that does help, even at, if if we have a reduced capacity. Uh, I, I think you have to play the season, even if it's no fans. I don't imagine that's going to be the case with no fans. I don't see it. I don't foresee a world that come late August, September, whenever, where we can't at least. And then who knows? But You would think we would at least be able to get ten thousand people in a fifty thousand seat stadium, outside and space them out. I mean, if we can all, if we, if we can have one thousand people in Walmart to be sure we can have ten thousand people to <laughs> don't,
1: don't get me started about that. I, I mean I'm about to start I the wear out the know, show. Oh my God.
0: I know I know we're both Democrats to you know pull the cat out of the bag. We might have just lost some viewers and listeners with that one. Bubba's a Republican. Um but uh Right. Governor Cooper's getting on my nerves for some of the stuff he uh the the things that can open the things that can't. I mean you're telling me that that playgrounds can't open, but swimming pools can. You're telling me that that a restaurant that has a bar can open at 50% capacity, but a regular bar can't. I mean, there's just some things that don't make any sense to me. I mean, open everything up at 50% capacity and uh, call it a day.
1: Well, I think there are the different phases uh, that they are going to do that, and it I hurts. So. There they are people, it. and there are people that are getting unemployment right now. That um, it's not enough. Um, but they're doing everything they can right now. I, I think they, it's, they ser- phase
0: two, the, the, originally phase two bars are going to be an open, playgrounds are going to be in open. Um, yeah. Raffer- other-
1: Mike Raffer said sports. So <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, we, we need, we need everything. Just open everything up at 50% capacity and call it a day.
1: Thank you, Mike. That's what we're not the political objective for the sports objective. And as I said earlier, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. I want you to watch us. I want you to like us because we love the pirates. And that's what I care about. I really, I'm sincere when I say that I'm not going to change. And that's another thing. I'm not going to change anybody's mind. I'm not going to use my platform and our platform, uh, to try to change somebody's mind politically. Um, what yeah, I'm trying to do yeah, is
0: I'm just my own mind. So how about that?
1: <laughs> you will change your own
0: mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I really, <laughs> we'll talk about that all there. Okay.
1: All right, hey, guys. The guys, we could talk all night. I know we've been almost an hour and a half. I just want to um thank everybody so much for um thinking about this earlier. Uh We've been in existence for two years. Thank you so much for uh, all that you've done for us. I don't say that a lot, but we have a lot of people on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And uh, Bubba Works his a tail off on um, getting the guest. Thank you, Kyle, too. It means a lot. I, I think that uh sometimes you have to get hit between the eyes like we did today. Um, to appreciate and have gratitude for the things you do have left. And um, so, uh, friends and family that are watching, listening, it means the world to me. And hey, I'll. I-
0: hey, before we wrap this up, fun question for both of you guys and anybody watching. No. Uh, with restaurants opening up this weekend, uh, wh- wh- where are you looking forward to going? I mean, obviously, places you've been able to get takeout, but where, where are you guys looking to go sit down and eat? And are you going to go out to eat this weekend as, as restaurants open up at 50% capacity? I'm looking forward to going to my favorite Chinese restaurant here in Goldsboro at a place called China House, uh, over, uh, at the corner of Ash and Burke, off, off Ash on Berkeley, going towards the base. Great Chinese place. Looking forward to going in there and eating. What about you guys?
1: I'm glad you said Chinese food. That's, uh, at least takeout. Now, my thing is our, uh, right near where I live, and uh, you know where it is um i see mike Rapper says maureen's kitchen what town is that in uh mike we'll give them a shout out but as far as uh china
2: that's his house
1: <laughs> maureen's kitchen oh okay <laughs> thank you mike that's that's a good one i didn't know i didn't know his wife's name we know mike i didn't know his uh, wife's name that's a that's a good answer i'll get takeout hopefully from the chinese place uh here close to me do do now no we can't it's not open no,
0: that oh, shining place hasn't even been doing takeout. Okay, nothing. Okay. Exactly. What about you, brother? Is Stacy going to allow y'all to go sit down in a restaurant? I bet you she's Chick-fil-A.
2: not. Chick fil A. Chick fil A. I can I can assure you she will not be uh, going to sit down and eat at a restaurant. Not. Uh, I doubt. I doubt I will either. Um, not because of that, but just. Uh, you, you don't want to eat alone. No. <laughs> yeah, there's no really no reason to um, get get takeout and then,
0: like you're saying, eat, eat here with the family, but uh, I want to get out of the house. I, I enjoy the experience of sitting down in a restaurant with my wife and oh, yeah. drinking a couple yeah. of beers and, 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 and eating something and just hanging out, so I've missed yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Well, we, uh, we definitely can do that, and I think maybe um, it'll probably be for two more weeks before I'll even do it, not because necessarily of uh, COVID, just my schedule and everything. I will definitely continue to. I've been buying a lot of takeout so um, that and he Deadwood. says, do
0: you ever, do you ever yeah. go to Deadwood and get a nice steak?
1: Yes, I do. When they open. Absolutely. I love one of my favorite places. If you've never been, uh go outside of Williamston and Beargrass. A lot of people watching that from the locally here know what I'm talking about. Maybe Greenville area. But if you ever get a chance, go to Deadwood. It's the Price family's uh, friends of mine. They're awesome people. Awesome atmosphere. Great. Burgers. Cool atmosphere, too. No doubt about it. You guys have anything before we wrap wrap things up?
2: Yeah. So, as far as the swimming and diving program, that's what, just some things I want to point out. I know you talked earlier how they had won the championship this year, and that was the. i right That was the fourth championship that the uh, that the Pirates had won in the American in swimming and diving, and so uh, just such a shame that such a tradition rich program has to has to be cut. Um, but uh, unfortunately, those difficult decisions had to be made, but two national championships um, at, I believe the NAI level and kind of like baseball. And then you had 15 individual national champions, 47 all Americans, 14 conference titles. And then they were also extremely good off the, or out of the pool, I should say um, the highest GPA in the conference and at one time in the country. So uh, excellent job by Rick Kobe, And then um, the last several years by Matt Jabs, who swam for coach Kobe. So uh, also, wanted to promote tomorrow uh, at noon. We'll be talking to Jamie Shaw. Um, Jamie is with the Absolute Basketball Experience. Um, prior to that, he was with the Phenom Hoop Report. So he does an excellent job of covering high school basketball in the state of North Carolina. And we'll talk uh, talk with Jamie about some of the top players in the 2021 and also 2022 classes. Um Earlier, we mentioned Stephen Igo. He'll be joining the program sometime next week, and we certainly have a lot. To to talk about with him even more than usual. And then also um, we'll have Coach Dooley on the program. And Coach Joe Dooley will join the show uh, next Thursday at noon. So um, lunchtime shows tomorrow and next Thursday talking Pirate Hoops and then also high school basketball.
1: And, uh, Matt that is special, and we appreciate you again for everybody listening. And we're we'll going to keep working hard. There's so, we're having a lot of people agreeing to come on. Uh, we could about do a show every single day. Uh, and I know that our wives wouldn't like that and certainly <laughs> uh, that, but anyway, we're, uh, we're definitely appreciative and grateful that people want to come on. And that's a good problem to have. Thank you so much to everybody for again, your continued support of the program and, uh, the sports objective. It means the world to me and Bubba and Kyle. Uh, three, they, you see it. We're social distancing. We've been doing this for, uh, two years, three different towns. So we've been doing our part. And, uh, we'll continue to do that. I want to say, give a shout out before we go, uh, to all the first responders, to all the men and women that are doctors and nurses that put their lives, uh,
0: touching you.
1: you. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Uh, certainly I want to thank everybody for all that they're doing, the doctors and nurses, all the hospitals. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a lot of people working ca- countless hours to keep us safe. I want to, on the bottom of my heart. hearts, so I want to say thank you. A simple thank you our heroes and we appreciate you uh very very much kyle do you have anything before we go
0: uh no guys uh just um tough times man and it's not gonna get better overnight uh um, go pirates and hopefully maybe uh maybe this fall we'll have something to be happy about bubba
1: how about you
2: uh we talked about the pirate club earlier i really didn't share any thoughts there um, i've been involved with the pirate club for several years as a a rep here in the charlotte area and prior to that in um, the winston-salem piedmont triad area and so my thing um like you mentioned on the significant decrease of pirate club members we haven't done a good job of getting those uh, young grad excuse me not young grad but student pirate club members to become young grad pirate club members um at one time uh, we were right there around 8,000, give or take um most recent numbers i knew of when we're in End of 2018, I want to say we're like 53 or 5400. So, you, I mean, you see, <laughs> um, literally a third of our Pirate Club membership had gone down the tubes.
1: Yeah, so, we got to work uh, hard on that. There's no excuse for, let me say this, and uh, I don't want to get on another tangent, but there's no excuse for as many graduates as we have living to only have roughly 6,000 is all we have giving. Uh, it's over, what is it, 126,000, maybe way more than that, but I'm the number, not the numbers guy. But, uh, that's another thing that we've got to do is do a better job of getting people that are alums to give to our university. When you, when I tell people that they're shocked because they think East Carolina has the reputation that we have, the good reputation, believe it or not, that we have. And there's so many, uh, passionate fans out there. They think we have more than 6,000 giving. And so we've got to do a better job of that. We can't just talk about it. We got, it's time to do something
0: about it. Hey, watch yourself. It ain't 6,000 alums giving because you got two, two thirds of the podcast that are prior club well, members
1: aren't alums. Thank you. Well, yeah. Well, I meant to say, I'm sorry about that. I meant to say people that love the, the, the university, but I'm just saying that there's my point is there's never, there's a whole there's, bunch of people that are graduates that are not giving.
0: You got these damn graduates that aren't giving and you got people like me and Bubba who uh, love the university, who, who have family ties to the university with, with his dad, my wife that, that care more about the university. And his, by the way, it's two different people. His dad's not my wife, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we got ties to the university. And we care more about the university than people actually went there. So it's sad.
2: Yeah. We're, we're certainly not by ourselves, Kyle. And, and there's certainly plenty of others who um, never attended East Carolina. Right. They that just, that just love the pirates. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, we have over a hundred thousand living alumni and sure, we have those distance learners who aren't into athletics, um, just went to East Carolina because there's a place for them to achieve their goal of getting a college degree. Um, we're not being unrealistic in that regard, but at the same time, uh, we certainly have, I mean, you tell me, I mean, you, ha- we have anywhere from at least at one time, uh, not that many years ago, we had anywhere from 40 to 50 plus thousand in dowdy ficklin and most of those were pirate fans and and we only have 5400 people in the pirate club now that's that's not good
1: wow even less than six well wow. uh definitely we got to do something about that but again we can talk all night guys uh i appreciate you so much are you um did you have another topic bub i know i'm sorry i'm trying to get, cut you up
2: no no i'm I'm, I'm good. I just wanted to plug that upcoming content with Jamie Shaw tomorrow at noon and then also uh, Jay Dooley
0: next week on Thursday at noon. So, Jamie, it's well on a Friday.
1: All right. Sounds good to me, at least for some of us. All right. Uh, Jamie, we'll see him to uh, definitely tomorrow right here on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. Uh, whether you listen to us, watch us, or both, you've been listening and watching the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates.
0: You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective,
1: and the objective is sports.